Okay, welcome to our special bonus episode of Scream One One Podcast. <gasps> dun dun dun! Yeah, I'm Brennan Klein, and I'm Shannon Shalakian, and this is our super secret, extra awesome Halloween episode. We won't be talking about one full movie today, but we will be talking about twenty movies. Yes, specifically, this, oh, yes. specifically, each of our ten favorite movies, no repeats. Yeah, so some of our favorite movies will cross over, but we're talking about our top 10 horror movies of all time from 10 to 1, so we'll be ending at our favorite horror movie of all time, and we'll discuss a little bit about them, because you guys have earned it. Thank you so much for listening, and also we just had an episode yesterday, so this requires some dedication, but also we were just so excited about Halloween, we wanted to share something, so this is our bonus trick or, trick or treat for you. Yeah, this is like the most festive thing that I'm doing this this holiday season, unfortunately, because of school. But this is still fun. Yeah, October in school is the worst. Honestly, it's it's crazy, folks. Anyway, let's move on to the good stuff. All right. Uh, Shannon, would you like to start with your number 10? Certainly. So uh, my number 10 is Terror Train. I love which, Terror uh, Train. I know. It's great. And it um, has uh, the original Scream Queen. Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis uh, in it. And... There was just so much. It's funny to think of it. It's it's a um, a Greek movie, like not Greek, like Greek, but like a Greek system movie. Yes. So there being um, Greek Greek characters, but there's so many weird twists and it's, yeah, it's such an interesting like setting for a movie too. Yeah, um, it's it's a slasher on a train. Yes. And it's at a New Year's costume party. Because yes. that's a thing, apparently. Slash, it might be a graduation party. It, they're not super clear on it, but it's New Year's. Yes. And the killer takes on the masks of each of the, his victims, which is a really cool touch. Yeah. Yeah. And then David Copperfield is in it, and there's just some good stuff. I don't know. It's, it's just, it's a, it's a wild ride, pun intended. Yeah. And, like, it's totally obvious who the killer is, but there's still a twist ending, and you're like, how did that happen? Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like, um, I haven't even seen this movie, but uh, which is the other movie with the thing? With the... You should look at Shannon's hand right now. She's just, like, flicking two fingers, and I have no idea what we're talking about. Uh, is it... It's not Sleepaway Camp. It's... I think that's Sleepaway Camp that you're talking about. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Then, yeah, twist ending like Sleepaway Camp. We'll talk about that one on a future episode, probably. Yeah, I hope so. I still haven't seen that. Yes. Anyway, okay. you're um, number 10. My number 10, I cheated a little bit. It's the Friday the 13th franchise. Because I didn't want to say Friday the 13th, because that's not even my favorite Friday the 13th movie. My favorite is part four, the final chapter with Corey Feldman. But I love the collected exploits of Jason Voorhees slash his mom slash the paramedic who copycat killered him. Um, it is not consistently the highest quality horror franchise that exists, but it's got this really great 
a Grand Guignol approach to blood and gore and Tom Savini is there for two of them. And it's just like the, if anyone thinks of a slasher movie, they immediately think of Friday the 13th, even if they don't know they are. It's got all the archetypes. They're so much fun. And they're just, they kind of reflect what's going on in the eighties at every step of the way. Cause there was, there were eight of these movies in that one decade. And I just love all of that. Yeah, and there should be a point to say that uh, no matter what gender of child that you have in the future, they will be named Jason. That's true. So The girls won't escape. Yep. If I have octuplets, they're all named Jason. My number nine is Silence of the Lambs, which we reviewed in a earlier episode, which is nice. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it. I thought uh, it was cool and it was uh, thrilling. Because it's more of like a thriller. <laughs> it was um, psychologically. Psychologically. Um, also, it's one of the only movies I've ever seen with. Uh, what's her face? Jodie Foster. With Jodie Foster in it. We got to get you some candle shoe, girl. I know, right? I mean, it's so surprising at this point that I haven't seen more. Um, but but yeah, so I loved it. And I especially, the thing that really sold it for me was Sergio's impression Oh, that um, was so good. Uh, yeah, his accent that when he was trying to copy um, Jodie Foster's accent, it really has just made that entire experience of us watching that film and reviewing it like so much better. Absolutely. And it's such a it's a it's a classic film. Like there's not too much more we can say about it, but it's well constructed. It's well acted. It's well written. Well written. Yeah, it's got and it's got slasher elements because it's about a serial killer pursuing victims. But it's like a close-up on one leg of a slasher story and it's brilliant yeah and i always love those films that can can engage you but keep you at an arm's distance so you're always like you feel like you're part of the entire experience like you're trying to actively figure out what's happening what's going on and etc without being like explaining it to you or, or spoon feeding it to you yeah it's you're about a size 14 <laughs> exactly and power suits you know power suits. oh god they make it worth it. Yeah. All right. My number nine is The Descent, which is from the mid-2000s and slash England. <laughs> um, it's should, a, should I close my ears for this? Are we going to no, watch okay. this eventually? I think we will. But no, no, no. I'm, okay. We're not spoiling stuff on this episode, so don't worry about that. Well, I mean. Maybe Sleepaway Camp. But yeah. We didn't spoil anything. I don't think so. Anyway, um, The Descent is about a group of women who go spelunking and they get trapped in the cave. It's this incredible film filled with, the, like, first of all, the lighting design is incredible. There's a, um, a lot of darkness in this film, and you think that would make it kind of gross and hard to see, but it's absolutely the opposite. Like, the darkness highlights what you are seeing and also encapsulates how trapped they are. And it's lit with a lot of genuine light sources like glow sticks. Not not like rave glow sticks, but actual spelunking glow sticks and torches. And it's an all-female cast. And it's one of the scariest films I've ever seen. I watched it with uh, Lucas's girlfriend, Henry, like two years ago on the 4th of July. And I remember one time it just made me go, BAP! Because I was so scared and I couldn't come up with words. It's a lot of fun. It's really good. Oh man, I'm I'm so intrigued as to what scares you, you know. Well, you'll find out. It looks like it. So my my number eight is the burning, uh, which this is one of the movies. There's a couple on this list that are actually not only the movie itself, but mostly like 
added to it is the scenario in which we watch the movie or I watch the movie. Um, so the burning was great because we saw it at the silent movie theater uh, in Hollywood, and it's one of the. Um, say it for me. What? Uh, nasties. Video oh, nasties. It's, it's, it's one of the video nasties from England that were persecuted for being too gory and too gross and too nasty. Exactly. It's, so it's one of the video nasties, and um, it was just like a really grungy, like, divey theater, and and uh, we just had the best time. But the movie itself was really good. Like, I remember it, the pacing being great and the, and the the shots being really good and it being very, like, um, well-constructed, and uh, there was good gore. There, Chopsky was his name? Cropsy. Cropsy. <laughs> Chopsticks. Cropsy. Cropsy, right? Cropsy's a killer was um, was kind of scary. You know, he was he was uh, kind of omniscient. You didn't really see him all that much because he was kind of like in the eyes of the killer sometimes. Um, and then you had this amazing camp counselor with this giant axe that just like, just that one shot. I kind of want to like take that shot and make it my cover photo or something <laughs> on Facebook because it was just this like buff wearing plaid lumberjack looking com- uh counselor camp counselor with a giant axe and then they they uh of course fight the killer it's great yeah and the burning the burning is not one of my like top 10 slasher movies of all time but it's definitely in the top third or quarter or whatever um it's got tom savini got a young jason alexander with hair yeah that was weird and it was only like seven or eight years before seinfeld so he lost all his hair in a relatively short time span so i am sorry jason alexander he lost it for the role yeah you you, he made it made him successful so don't don't fret if you are balding because you might be the next jason alexander anyway um there is a scene on a raft that will explain my entire love for this movie and also fisher stevens gets his fingers cut off oh that's right so that's fun and also, if you pause it just right, you can see his testicles, which I don't want to do, but just for the record. Anyway, moving on. My number eight is The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is a movie that we've uh, talked to death quite literally, but I find it to be really intense, really brutal, and also really indicative of the like righteous political anger of the time in the 70s, and it's a fantastic classic film, and I love it. Yeah. I didn't know that you had so much love for Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like when I met you, because you have you have little mini shrines. People don't know this about you, but you have little mini shrines to, um, you know, the Friday the 13th franchise and um, and the Scream franchise and the Nightmare franchise. Mm -hmm. Halloween. Halloween franchise. Thank you. Losing them all. Um, There's a lot. And of course, the original four include Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but I always refer to them as the like the trifecta or like the the original three just because i feel like texas chainsaw was never really a part of like my education with you yeah and when we began and texas chainsaw wasn't really a big slasher franchise in the 80s it mm-hmm. only had one film come out in that entire decade mm-hmm. and so it kind of wasn't it's not really comparable to those even though it has a franchise it was just a really weird stunted franchise right yeah i got that i definitely yeah um, I actually only recently watched the entirety of the franchise, and there's some insane movies. There's some Illuminati stuff with nipple rings, and Matthew McConaughey is there. Oh, so just the normal stuff. Yeah, basically. I mean, Matthew McConaughey is normal Wednesday night, but the original Texas Chainsaw is where it's at. Excellent. Okay, so number seven for myself is Scream 4, 
specifically. Um, we watched this recently, uh, which is why it's um, there. It's there for the most part. Um, but and, and also my love of Hayden Panettiere's character Kirby. I knew you were going to bring that up immediately for being amazing. Well, of course. How I mean, she you, is the best character in right. the film. How can you talk about Scream 4 without talking about Kirby? Let's be you honest. You just don't talk about it. You just don't talk about Scream 4 in general. But um, after rewatching it, I really I really refound why I enjoyed it so much. Um, and I enjoy every single Scream movie all on different levels. But uh, I definitely think Scream 4 is up there uh, just because of Kirby and because of um, the writing and any any movie that makes um this is a spoiler any movie that makes uh, Emma Roberts the psychopath um I appreciate because she might be one in real life that uh, might be true yeah it might be true you never know I might be a psychopath you don't know mm. um but yeah no it was really great and I love getting the gang back together very Scooby Doo um yeah, yeah. I I find Scream Four to be very underrated a lot of people really dislike scream for in the horror community and it's not on the level of a scream but it's still a lot of fun so yeah, i enjoy they won't be babies <laughs> uh they're just attached to a franchise and when something comes out 10 years later they're like no Whatever. or yes I, it just depends it's weird all right my number seven is Stuart gordon's from beyond which i think i recommended on our thing episode um it's gooey gory fantastico <laughs> and i the fir- after the first time I watched the movie, I immediately bought the Blu-ray at Amoeba and then showed it to my dad as he was preparing for surgery, which was a terrible idea. And I showed it to... Oh, who did I show it to? S- someone else. I was just so excited about this movie, and I still am. And I love talking about it from beyond. Like like I said, I do enjoy it more than Reanimator, which puts me in the minority. But it's about this... Uh, machine invention that stimulates the pineal gland which is this gland that's supposed to uh, extend your extrasensory perception so it opens this whole extra dimension of monsters and creatures that immediately start attacking you because they normally live simultaneously with our universe but when you can see them they can see you and it's gooey and gross and the pineal gland effects are incredible and they don't necessarily hold up but they will still make you wriggle and I love it perfect Alrighty, so my number six is a movie that I may never ever watch again ever, uh-huh. um, but it's The Exorcist, mostly because it is probably the first movie that has honestly terrified me, um, to the point where I was holding hands and I was closing my eyes and I was being a wimpy baby. Um, we did watch it in a cemetery. Yeah, and th- that's that's good to bring up because that was another thing that we talked about, like like I had said earlier about how it was kind of the scenario of us watching it. Um, this was definitely a night that was a little cooler than usual and we were at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery and um, we had front row seats. I mean, it was it was amazing. It was pretty phenomenal. But but again, that anxiety and just the, the walking up the stairs and every time you saw someone walk up the stairs, you knew that a scene with, with the devil was coming. But no matter what, like, you could prepare yourself during those very slow ascent, like ascension to to that room you could prepare yourself to 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 heaven back and you still wouldn't be prepared for whatever was going to happen and some of the effects that i know this is 73 um but the effects are still like unmatched like i could i it affected me in weird crazy ways (laughs) 
Yeah, there's only one effect scene in that movie that I think is really dated at all. Yeah. Um, I love Shannon's inexplicable love for 70s horror movies. It, and it's only inexplicable because of our generation. Like, a lot of people would be like, oh, whatever, I'm bored. But Shannon is right there, and she's in it. And that's one of the reasons that you're on this podcast, because you can appreciate that level of scare. And it's it's a great film. Yeah, maybe 70s is my decade. Maybe. It's your soul decade. Yeah, I expected 80s to be... I, well, I expect 80s to be any decade for... Anyone's decade for horror films, but maybe maybe 70s is where it's at. I'll, I'll have to show you some more stuff. Yeah, totally. All right, and my number six is The Evil Dead from 1981. It's uh, Sam Raimi's debut feature film, and I think it's filled with this deranged energy that I've never seen in any other film before. I could do without the rapey tree scene. Yeah, that's a horrible scene. But just as a piece of filmmaking, it's ingenious. It's so gory and over the top, and the effects haven't super aged really well, but I think that they're still incredibly visceral and just insane. And if blood, if blood is green, it doesn't have to age. Like, if blood is green and blue and pink, it's just so over the top and crazy, your brain kind of shuts off. And I really appreciate that. And it's just filled with all of these insane filmmaking techniques that nobody had tried before totally and also you know everyone needs a little more bruce campbell in their life let's be honest mm-hmm. you know um i'm really excited for ash versus evil dead that'll be yes. really really good that's actually airing tonight as as our episode airs Ooh, that's so exciting we'll have to watch it um but yeah so so bruce campbell always although i will tell you no no character matches atolicus from Xena that he plays so I wouldn't know but I respect your opinion okay so 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 um so number five for myself is the house on sorority row which I am honestly amazed at how much I enjoyed that movie and how much I was missing um from not having seen this movie and we have one of my favorite episodes that we've done on this podcast is our interview with Mark Rossman oh yeah uh that was so fun and it really uh I, it made us learn a lot, definitely, um, for recording on the fly, et cetera. But and just about filmmaking in general, he had a lot of really cool stories. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, but the movie itself, and this will come into play. I'm talking more about this a little bit later. But um, the movie itself was pretty, pretty phenomenal. Um, it was again one of those movies that wasn't like it wasn't trying to be a horror movie, which made it landmark in the horror community because. Um, it wasn't super tropey. They tried to do some some kind of uh, out there things, and it actually succeeded, which is interesting. They had so many characters with so many names that I honestly couldn't uh-huh. couldn't keep track of now. Um, but they somehow were able to f- to pull off a little bit of that character development to the point where you had a sense of who that person was. Yeah, and you still care about them. Yeah, which is um, really hard to do. Uh, and then some of the kills were just amazing. Yeah, I like it's a it's a pure slasher film married to a Hitchcockian thriller, so it's like these two genres both fighting for dominance, and they're both incredible. And also, four out of five doctors is there. Oh yes, that's obviously what wins. Uh, yeah, it's it's one of my favorite slashers too. Yeah, I, now that I'm thinking about it, like I know that Halloween is tonight, but if I had more time, I would just buy like. I would like construct a toilet and put it on, like, wear it as a necklace. Oh, man. And just be the head in the toilet. 
That would have been so funny. That's genius. I know what I'm going to be for next year. Oh, my God. Write that down. Okay. And my number five is A Nightmare on Elm Street slash Wes Craven's New Nightmare because I I can never decide between those Stop two movies. cheating. I'm sorry. That's my last cheater one. I apologize. Although I think our audience understands how much you cheat with your 10-word reviews and... Uh, there's still 10 words or less. Some of them are about books because books are cool, too. Yeah, but how many how many ten word reviews do you get? Well, you can have three too if you watch three things. That's a good point. I am a student, sir. Okay. Okay. Um. Anyway, Nightmare on Elm Street, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, are um two of my favorite films. I really can't decide between the two of them. Um, they're both incredibly. I find both of them very scary in different ways. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street, I find scarier in a more classical horror film, like paranormal way. And Wes Craven's Nightmare, I find terrifying in this kind of family drama way where you're worried about um, Heather Langenkamp's child. But they both blend dreams and reality and reality and fiction in this really incredible way and talk about just kind of the secret skeletons in the closet of the American family. And, and the box of probe. Well, that was in Nightmare on Street 2. But, but it was in the closet. It, yep, it was. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, I just, Freddy Krueger is such an iconic horror villain. And the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise as a whole probably has the most um, actually good entries in it um, versus the other franchises, even though it's not my favorite. Um, Freddy Krueger is an incredible villain. And he's iconic for a reason, and I really miss Wes Craven. Yeah, and uh, New Nightmare is also one of those one of the movies on the list where um, we saw it in really cool circumstances. Like we didn't see it originally with Wes Craven because we had seen it before. But even so, I remember watching it and being like, "This, this is wonderful." And then we watched it a, a while later because the holiday hol- holiday season had passed, etc. Um, but we saw it a while later, uh, and then we had a Q&A with Wes Craven. That was incredible. Which was really cool. And that was um, a little under, a, a little over a year ago. Yeah, it was uh, one of the last times he was down in California, I think. Yeah, and uh, with his recent passing, it definitely means a lot to both of us. Um, so, yeah, always good to see it on the list. Yeah, and um, there's a, in the film, in New Nightmare, there's a uh, dinosaur stuffed animal that protects Heather's son that Freddy slashes open and then Heather sews it up. And Shannon made me like a t- mini version of that for Christmas one year. And it is one of my most prized Christmas presents ever. And he's uh, Rex. Little Rex is actually in our selfie with Wes Craven. Yes. Which is wonderful. I'm so glad that you brought that. Uh, that was really fun. I remember how, how like aggravating it was to like sew up cause I was hand stitching everything. <laughs> But um, it was worth I was it. yeah, and I kept like teasing you about it because I was so excited, and then you finally got it, and uh, I'm glad that you received it so well. So that's good. Yay! Okay, so <laughs> um, number four is the movie that I mention every recommendation for every movie. But I don't think you've ever but actually I never recommended it. Actually recommend it. Um, so the movie is called You're Next. It. Is it American? Is it Canadian? What is it again? It's American. Okay, it's American. Stars in Australian. Okay. I keep thinking it's Canadian because I like it so much. <laughs> um, so it's an American film, and the main character is Australian. Um, and they go to this house in the woods. 
So kind of like a Cabin in the Woods movie, but it's not. This house in the woods where they're having like a family reunion and she's like meeting her boyfriend's family. And then all of a sudden there are these like group of people who are trying to kill everyone in the house. Um, And it starts off just like really mellow and like a lot of like family drama is going on. You're trying to navigate that, etc. And then the survival mode kicks in. Um, and you get to see like at what point survival mode kicks in for these different characters. Um, but it's amazing and it's so crazy. And they're actually selling masks from your next at they are at Hot, at Topic. Hot Topic, which, which is awesome. I'm glad somebody watched it. Yeah, which is great. And I remember putting it on and sending sending you a picture, thinking that like someone made like random sheep masks and like it wasn't connected to your next. But I'm really glad that it is. And we saw it. I saw it for the first time at the two dollar theater. Um, oh yeah in orange in orange yeah so so that was it was a great movie for the money i spent on it (laughs) um but yeah no no it was wonderful and like some of my favorite scenes um were in it and mostly because i really dig that whole like survivalist oh yeah like fighting back vibe i feel like so cool yeah i the first time i saw it was with sergio at the la film festival and because we're just super cool and cosmopolitan (laughs) But um, no, that movie was it brought down the house because at first you're like, this is kind of weird. It's kind of just like a dumb home invasion slasher movie. But then you realize that it's actually secretly a really black comedy that's kind of playing with those tropes. And after like two or three scenes, you finally it finally clicks, and you're like, oh my god! And then it's just about this final girl who's a badass. And it's such a fun film. And it's one of the very few um, modern films that instantly deserves a place on one of these types of lists. Totally. And that's why I keep talking about it. Because I definitely, of all the films that I've watched with Brennan, there's only, uh, you know, a couple handfuls that I'm able to, like, easily access in my mind. Because a lot of horror is very tropey. Or a lot of it is just kind of, like, misplaced and mindless. And, like, there's a lot of holes in it. So it's hard to remember specifically what movies or for myself i should say um to recommend to people or to talk about or to bring up in normal conversation and uh your next is definitely one that i talk about all the time i'm so glad you liked it (laughs) all right your turn uh my number four is alfred hitchcock's the birds which this is just my uh brennan's in the minority list because i like the birds way more than i like psycho just on a personal level because they're both great and they're both classics and they're both important but I find the birds to actually be scary, so please don't laugh at me, everyone. Um, I think the way that Hitchcock builds tension in this film is really good. And like in the scene where um, Tippi Hedren is uh, smoking a cigarette and the birds are gathering on the playground behind her and there's kids in the school and you're like, what's going to happen? It's so good. And the effects are okay. Um, there's actually a surprising amount of gore in that movie for the vintage um and i just i really like that idea of the elemental like nature run amok fighting back against the humans who are kind of awful to it yeah totally and uh brennan actually wrote an entire essay for his music and film <laughs> class um talking he, he was supposed to talk about the music and music and sound in a film and instead said he was like hey professor actually can i talk about the lack of music and sound in the birds um which i remember him talking about i <laughs> i got an a on that essay by the way who's surprised not me <laughs> um i tried to watch the birds with my family and i ended up falling asleep i'd seen it prior so you know that was fine um but i do remember a scary moment in the birds when like 
one of the characters finds the previous owner of a house and their eyes have been like yes. like pecked out or was actively being pecked out. Mm-hmm. I don't, can't remember specifically. Um, but I remember the birds just being very stressful and which is why I hate it because I don't like stressful horror films. Um, but I could I can respect your decision to have it on the list. Thank I don't you. I can't respect it for being so high on your list, but whatever. I I appreciate that because I feel like a lot of people will be kind of mystified by this choice. But the birds really resonates with me, yeah. and I have a theory about it. I'm gonna go through really fast. Okay. There's a scene, um, at a restaurant where Tippy Hedren is stuck in a phone booth. The first first of all, terrifying. Um, second of all, there's all this stuff going on like there's water rushing down the hill and there's a fire erupting at the gas station there's like a cart full of cabbages that's overturned like in avatar the last airbender mm-hmm. and um i'm like this is crazy because cabbage is earth the water is water fire is fire and the birds represent air so it's like all of the natural elements have come together to rebel against humanity i'm like this is so cool and so intelligent I wish our, our listeners could see the the face that i'm giving you right now Whatever. you're looking so far into this stupid movie about stupid birds. Oh my god, don't be mean. Also, because it starts off as a romantic comedy for like half an hour, and then all of a sudden a bird comes out of nowhere, and it's just full tilt survival nature horror, and I love that. Yeah, I do remember that being weird, as it like changes really quick. Um, but yeah, and it, I mean, it's cool that it's based off of an actual like experience of how like these birds were eating all this like weird plankton that gave them <laughs> that just drove them freaking crazy it happens and then it's happened to they me. were attacking people yeah um okay yeah yeah okay sorry a little long on that shannon next next one you're fine um so number three for me is uh another possible horror um or uh, halloween costume for myself which is they live <sighs> Let me let me get started on they live. I'm here to talk about they live and chew bubblegum. Oh yes, you <laughs> and know I'm all out of bubblegum. All out of bubblegum. Um, when I watched this movie, again, this is really funny. All these are like tied to experiences, but again, that, that's really important in cinema. And yeah, experiencing it. So yeah, it's kind of cool. Anyway, so Brennan and I saw this as a double feature of they live in Halloween with a Q and A of John Carpenter, um, and for a lot of our beginning. Um, relationship it was like brendan would come up to me and be like there's this thing going on in la do you want to go and i'm like sure i just became a yes man and was like sure whatever um and i went with him and uh halloween was last right yeah it was they live first and then halloween yes um so we watched they live and what i didn't know at the time was that they live was where obey came from like the obey campaign or like whatever mm-hmm. with shepherd fairy blah 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 um which is so funny because that's actually become like a big capitalist outlet exactly even though it's started off as anti-establishment yeah so we're not gonna go over that because who cares that's a separate story yeah but i had seen like part of the movie you know um because of that like scene i think i had seen it in one of my film classes um, it might have been the intro to visual art class oh yeah we saw that with tom mm-hmm. um Anyway, I start watching this movie. Don't know what I'm in for, right? There's all this political stuff about, you know, um, people becoming nomads in order to find work and traveling across the country um, because of the economic downfall. And the Reaganomics and the rich people controlling everything. Right, which is very John, John Carpenter. Like, very John Carpenter. And then you just, like, tr- he puts the glasses on and he turns around and the creepiest, <laughs> like the creepiest thing I've ever seen in my life is sitting there in a power suit with huge shoulder pads 
wearing t- like huge um, glammed out necklaces and stuff. Yeah. Shannon's list is a uh, top 10 power suits <laughs> in film. Seriously. Um, but it was terrifying. And I was like, I mean, that was the scariest thing about the entire movie is just how weird they looked, you know? And knowing John Carpenter's films, they're all very like scrappy, like making at home for the most part. Other than the uh-huh. thing, the thing was higher budget. Um, but like Halloween was really low budget too. Um, so I'm just thinking like, how did they make that? And why am I so terrified of it? <laughs> And then you're on for the ride. You know, there's all this, like, alien stuff going on and um, a lot of, like, high technology. And you can feel, like, the fear of technology and the fear of um, of outsiders and the fear of the upper class and how, like, the upper class and lower class are, are so different that they're literally alien to each other. And um, it was, like, a really cool political discussion while also every time the same alien was on screen with the blue and red, it just, like, freaked me out, you know? <laughs> So, um, definitely one of the, one of the scariest movies. I tried to watch it over again and it, I realized it actually is like a really slow movie. Most of John Carpenter's movies are very deliberately paced. Yeah. Which I think cause last Halloween it was raining and I tried to get Henry to like sit through it with me and we both fell asleep. Well, it was super late too because um, Sergio and I had just come through the TV to watch Candyman Two and Saw Four, which was a very disappointing double feature. Oh yeah, those movies are not on this list. Yeah, so you're right; it was really late, but um, still, despite if I can ever watch it again and like successfully watch it and enjoy it again, I loved it so much the first time I saw it that it is like imprinted on my soul. And I've since then tried to find a mask, and I actually put one on because I found one in like we were like in Florida or something. Um, but I'm, I want to make one. So between yeah. me being the head in the toilet from house of story to row and also any eighties alien from they live, <laughs> I'm set. And speaking of awesome masks, my number three movie is scream. The original scream also by Wes Craven, his third time at changing the entire horror genre forever. <laughs> um, which he succeeds at. Yeah, absolutely. It's, so 90s, first of all, because it's like, Billy, why do you have a cellular telephone on your pocket? Um, but it's it's a horror comedy satire of slasher films, which obviously is a thing that I would enjoy. But for it's the movie that got me into horror films because I had to watch everything that Scream was referencing. But it's also, it's funny, it's hip, but it's also really scary. Like, the ghost face killer, especially the opening scene with Drew Barrymore, that's one of the best horror scenes ever put to film ever in the world, and there's basically no contest for that. It's incredible, and it's it was an indelible experience that literally made me who I am today. If I hadn't seen Scream, this podcast could be about, like, romantic comedies or whatever. <laughs> Absolutely. I remember being a kid, and, um, like, one of my friends was... was uh Ghostface and like walking through the neighborhood there was a ton of little ghost face you know so it would have been so interesting to like have seen the film and been the age that I am now but have seen the film and like been in the environment where it was so current like it was yeah. so hip and actually kind of be scared by like its influence because it could have been like it could have been a killer you know and just kind of be in the like real life playing out of Scream yeah, I, I wish that would have happened for me too, but you know, it came out when we were two, so it wasn't exactly an appropriate movie for that age. Yeah, but it, I mean, it gained it gained speed by the time that we were young children. Yeah, yeah, You're totally. Right. 
So what is your next one on the list? We're up in the top two horror films of all time for Shannon. Okay, so number two. <laughs> he's already laughing. So so number two. This is the credibility builder right here. Right. Number two is my number two because I cannot put it as my number one because um, I would have to quit this podcast. Um, but number two is Sorority Row, which is the remake of The House on Sorority Row. And to uh, to understand the full um breadth of of my experience with this movie uh i i was at a um garage sale in high school where my friend was giving away a whole bunch of movies and she just like handed me a stack and i was like cool thanks and i went home and put that stack on my bookshelf and never looked at them again um for the most part uh, but then when I went to college, I brought a whole bunch of DVDs with me. One of those DVDs being Sorority Row. Still hadn't watched it. And then um, Brennan obviously started me on this terror train. Pun intended. <laughs> and um, I decided to watch it. Did I watch it with you for the first time? I don't remember. Uh, there were a whole bunch of people, but I think I was there. Yeah. So we just decided to pop it in because it was like, what are we going to watch? And blah, blah, blah. And it was there. And I was like, I haven't seen it. So we popped it in. Um and I thought it was just so great and so entertaining um, because, you know, there's like hot ladies and they're all drunk and then a killer comes in and there's some really great kills um, and there's a great storyline. And I just thought like it was and then like there's uh, Leia with a with Carrie a shotgun. Fisher, Carrie yeah. Fisher. I was going to say Carrie Bradshaw, but I knew that was wrong <laughs> with her typewriter. <laughs> Um, with a shotgun and Rumor Willis and it was just like it was so good and I enjoyed it so much and we just had like a good 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 time um, and then I continued to watch it it's one of those movies in my first couple years of, of college that I watched over and over and over again it's Sorority Row and Mamma Mia <laughs> Mamma Mia and Rent um, but I watched it over and over and over again and then within this last year of watching The House and Sorority Row I didn't realize that when I rewatched Sorority Row there were so many callbacks to the original like there was um, the the cane and some of the kills were, were kind of symbiotic mm-hmm. um, it was Rossman University yeah Rossman University even though he's just an executive producer um, which, which was is a story that you can hear on our, our, our Mark Rossman interview episode yes um but it's still like it even it just got better essentially is what I was gonna say is it got better, uh so I really enjoyed that um yeah so that's why it's my number two yeah and sorority row is one of the better remakes of that period, it's got really funny snappy dialogue yeah um the weapon itself the like sharpened tire iron is a really cool weapon yeah and it has like eighteen final girls which I'm always down for absolutely it's a fun movie. And so I do not judge you for putting it on. So you should take back your judgment of the birds. <laughs> I love the birds. <laughs> uh, nah. Fine. My number two is The Sixth Sense, which is one of the few horror movies that I watched before I actually got as into horror as I am today. And okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The twist ending. It was the whole whole big thing. But putting a pin in that, the Sixth Sense is a really good family drama, and it's one of the few movies that actually makes me cry whenever I watch it. Um, I mean, that list is a—it's an embarrassing list, let me tell you. But it 
at its core, it's about a single mom who's struggling to understand what her son is going through. And her son is afraid to tell her because he thinks that she won't understand, which could be a metaphor for literally anything that's going on in a suburban household with a single mom, that kind of thing. But how perceptive of the, of the son to think like, I'm seeing dead people. She's not going to understand that. Like, good, good job. Yeah. And it's just, it's one of my favorite films of all time. And I'm so sad that M. Night Shyamalan kind of ran off the rails of the terror train a little bit. But The Happening is also a classic in a different way. Um, but also, I think his uh, use of color in this film is magnificent. And I just really like The Sixth Sense. And it's still a spooky film. It's more of a psychological drama horror than like a really, truly this is going to scare the crap out of you film, but I still find it scary. And if you ask my mom, she will tell you that it was scary because my dad took her on a date to see it and she started crying and he was like, I made a mistake. (laughs) And I don't, I don't even understand this being on the list because I just don't get the appeal of the movie. Like I saw the movie, I saw the movie with you and I actually stayed awake during the movie, which is so proud of you. I know it's saying something, but also I was like not impressed and I was not moved and I didn't care. I think people have very different expectations of The Sixth Sense. Yeah, and I feel like people just... It's one of those movies that, like, you have to meet it halfway. Like, you have to invest part of, like, your own experience to get, like, a full experience back. Yeah, which, which I I can do. Yeah, and that happens with me, too. Like, with The Babadook. Like, I definitely had a different reaction to The Babadook. Because yeah, you liked than... The Sun. Well, yeah, I like which, The Sun. Which nobody does. Like, liter- we'll, I'll, I'll show you a hundred reviews that are like, The Sun sucks. We want him out of the movie. Um... Yeah, but it's things like that where it's like, okay, my personal experience involving X, Y, and Z makes this scary, this scarier for me, or like mm-hmm. more anxious or whatever. Um, so yeah, okay, that's fine, whatever. Thanks. <laughs> it's not sorority row, Shannon. <laughs> I know, I know. Which I'm, I'm trying not to mock sorority row because I do like sorority row. Yeah, it's good. I like it. It just isn't. It doesn't have the acclaim of like these other movies, which is why it's funny that it's up in my it's, second. No, but that's great because this isn't our list of the best horror movies. It's our favorite. Yeah, exactly, and that's so subjective, and that's so important. And one, determining someone's personality, and two, not being boring as hell because we can't just talk about like Poltergeist and The Exorcist and yada 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 over and over and over again. I agree. Okay, mm. so my number one film. That I will say is my number one horror film. Journal. Right? With acclaim and everything. Is Halloween. So. I know. John Carpenter's up here twice. Um, I know. He could have been up here three times if I if I um, liked the thing as much as I liked They Live in, on Halloween. Uh, but the, the thing was definitely in my top 25. Um, but Halloween. Let's talk about Halloween. So. Of the original trifecta. Excluding the Texas Chainsaw because that wasn't doesn't exist, um, but between the the trifecta of Friday the Thirteenth, Halloween, and Nightmare, I connected the most with Halloween, and I really like appreciated Halloween the most. Uh, I really loved the the way that the that Michael Myers was portrayed with him being this slow killer and like the face of evil. And evil having no face because he's masked the entire time. And then when he's unmasked, he's angelic, like angelic looking. Um, it's pretty phenomenal. And uh, of course, Scream Queen can't go wrong, always. Uh, I don't know. It's just something. It's something like unspoken about it that just really like reached out to me. You know, 
yeah, it's it's a great film, and we talked about it a lot in yesterday's episode. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel like I need to belabor the point too much, but it is. Um, it's not my personal favorite of like the trifecta, right? But it's obviously better than Friday the Thirteenth, and it's a really well made film. Yeah, and it's a good. Oh, and Shannon has been lucky enough both times that she's seen Halloween, she's seen in the theaters. So um, that brings back my horror cred because I brought her there. Indeed. Yes. And that that's an experience. Again, experience movies. Like having seen Halloween in theaters with people who obviously loved Halloween or mm-hmm. were on date nights with their, their dates to see Halloween in theaters. <laughs> like us. Like, like we us. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Um, oh, man. Um, but yeah, Shannon in the 70s. Yeah, I, I know. It's, it's, a, it's a weird deal, I guess. Um, but yeah, I just really loved it. And I, I can't say that I loved the, like, I don't think I saw much of the franchise because I think I didn't want to, I didn't want to tarnish what I loved about Halloween itself. Oh, and trust me, the franchise will tarnish that. Okay. <laughs> I've been going through them all. Oh boy. Okay. So your turn. Number one. All right. My number one horror film of all time Which is. I'm so excited about. Good. It is Wreck which is the Spanish film that the American film Quarantine is based on. If you haven't seen Quarantine, don't. Um, Wreck is an incredible found footage, um, fast zombie, like these are like Danny Boyle zombies movie about a, a woman who is an anchor woman for a news show and she's just tailing these firemen around on their daily rounds and they happen to end up in this apartment building that gets quarantined and it's... Well, it starts off with one crazy fast zombie, but that number rises dramatically <laughs> over the course of the film. Oh, man. And it's just this sledgehammer survival film that's... Um, I watched Wreck for the first time with my friend Cassidy, who was on episode five where we talked about 100 Bloody Acres. Um, and we just... It was like the middle of August. We had seen Quarantine 2, which is not the way to enter that franchise, although I kind of like the movie. When the movie ended, we just sat there kind of just shivering just in shock and it was the middle of summer and it was so hot but we were just so cold and Katy Perry was there no I'm um it was just such a tremendous emotional traumatic experience and it was such a good film and I actually played it again at my birthday party and freaked out all of my friends yeah and that was one of the first times of me meeting you you're welcome yeah another experience you know being in a room full of complete strangers watching a horror film a very good horror film. very good horror film um wreck is one of the few films that really terrifies me to the core like because i love horror but for most of the time it's like i appreciate the camp factor i appreciate um understanding what it meant at the time but with this one it's me right there terrified and i respect that so much yeah, I was just, um, you know, we were talking about this earlier, but there's just this shot where, you know, the main characters are at the top of the stairs and they look down and it's just zombies like on the stairs, you know, and it's just such a quick found footage moment where they just like look over the banister really quick and that shot itself, like I can, I it's seared in my brain because I can see it, Yeah, but like, it was terrifying. Yeah, it's a found footage film, but it has incredible shots because it's an shot by an actual cinematographer holding a camera right and it's not My favorite just character in that film yeah 
And it's not just hiding poor effects behind shaky cam. Like the effects are fantastic. The camera work is really good. And there's a pretty legitimate reason for using the camera because the camera is their only light source at some point. And it's just such a cool movie. And I'm so glad I had the opportunity to experience it. And if you haven't seen it, this is like above all the film that I would recommend to anyone who's into horror films. Yeah, and I think seeing seeing this movie at your birthday party really set up your credibility as a horror <laughs> lover. Well, for myself, and then, you know, after that, when you were trying to get me to see things, or, or you know, I felt as, as, as if it was in, like an academic experience, you know, which it is now, obviously, but at the time... We're learning so much. I know. Madman. I know. Uh, <laughs> but at the time, you know, I wouldn't have touched it with a 10-foot pole touch any sort of horror film with a 10 foot pole but you made it seem academic because you were all weird and like <laughs> horror film is great and it's important and i'm like okay whatever um will you go to the thing with me in la yes okay totally fine um but yeah i think wreck was definitely a major had a major effect on on not only you but myself as well mm-hmm. so good choice as your first as your number one thank you and that pretty much concludes our our top 10 each our top 20 um, yeah, that was a it's a big it's a big project. Yeah, so that was a l- I know that was a long episode, but uh, you know I think we touched on some really great stuff and yeah. um, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, folks! I hope you have a good one and um, you check those apples for razor blades. <laughs> um, and uh, what are you going to be dressing up as tonight, Shannon? So I've gone back and forth every year. I do a play on words because I am a grown man who is a father. <laughs> Um, so this year I was going to go as a cat collar, not like collar, like around the neck, but like I would put cat ears on and hold a phone to my face and then yell obscene things at women, you know, like a cat collar does. Um, but then I decided, I saw this thing on the internet today where all you have to do is buy a loaf of bread and uh, get a medal and put it around your neck and then you can be a breadwinner. Oh my god. So I think I'm going to be a breadwinner this year. Oh, and it's socially conscious too. Always. I am the John Carpenter of my own age, don't you know? I do. <laughs> oh my god, that's so great. <laughs> thank you. So what are you going to be? Um, This is going to totally ruin any credibility I built up throughout this oh entire no. thing. But um, I'm dressing up as one of the Dangertainment teens with webcams from Halloween Resurrection. <sighs> I know that your your horror team, horror trivia team, who's listening to this, are like hopefully I'm gonna make them listen. screaming and chanting. Entertainment. Yep, chanting it, chanting it. So congratulations on that. Also, a special shout out to Andrew Furtado from the Now Streaming Podcast who actually put the costume together. I'm just wearing it. Yeah. Which is it's a tough enough job as it is. Like, it's very difficult to look this good all the time all the time anyway um you definitely have a face for radio oh my god thanks so (laughs) face for podcasting whatever i mean it's not my fault i put my hair in a faux hawk today and then it wouldn't leave the faux hawk yeah i'm stuck this way now anyway um if you have comments about our top 10 if you have top 10s of your own that you want to share which we would love to read Mm -hmm. you can contact us on facebook at scream 101 podcast on twitter at scream 101 pod on email at scream 101 podcast at gmail.com and you can find us on itunes uh rate and review us give us five stars which is only a quarter of the amount of movies we've talked about today so that should be really easy for you 
And yeah, that's pretty much it. No clue. Obviously, we're gonna go same, same as always. Just ignore this episode because it's a bonus episode. Just because we love and care and have no lives. Yeah, it's it's out of continuity with the rest of our episodes. It's not canon. Yes, yes, it's it's like um like name a movie part of major franchises that was disconnected from the other movies. Nightmare on Elm Street two. There you go. Probe. Halloween three. Yeah. See. Probe. See? Probe. Probe. Okay. Um. That's it. Bye, folks. And we'll be playing you out with Voodoo by Carlos Ann from the Rex soundtrack. It played during the credits. Bye. Bye.